Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Smart Home Collective. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Gio from Smart Home Makers and Dave from Creative. Guys, how are you doing? All good, all good. How about yourself? Doing lovely, well. Doing lovely. And guys, yeah, not, I'm... Do you know what I'm front facing camera? So I've seen this lovely ESP32 with a wee... That's a, that's a bunch of D1 minis in a pile because one of my... Uh, one of my unofficial titles on my playlist is what can I put a D1 Mini in next? So it's kind of my theme. <laughs> I love it. I love the mouth moving thing. Love it. Yeah, it's SOBS. It's just a little uh, graphic equalizer thing. Very, very cool. Great. So, guys, thanks very much for joining me. Before we crack on with the show, I'm delighted to announce that I've got a partnership uh, recently established with uh, Mind Your Mindset. Mind Your Mindset. Is, is a new brand. It's a fantastic brand that's just kind of set up within the UK and it's all about positive mental uh, kind of thinking and kind of manifestation of what you want, setting your goals. So it's a new company. It looks to cultivate healthy, positive and driven mindset to allow you to achieve and, and your goals. It focuses on gratitude, setting positive goals and benefits of journaling and positive affirmations. It was recently featured in Fern Cotton's uh, Gratitude and Wellbeing Festival. So it's really, really up and coming. I absolutely love it. They're coming with a whole in a new product. So check them out. And their Instagram is mind underscore your underscore mind underscore set. So if you're listening to this purely in the audio, I apologize. That's quite a quite a mouthful. Mind underscore your underscore mind underscore set. All right, mind your mindset. Go and check them out. Chill. All right, straight into the content, guys. So, Geo. So I reached out to Gio, and I'm going to actually pull up Gio when we when we first when I first reached out to you because this is another example of how bad I am reaching out to somebody and then finally getting them on <laughs> the channel. And, and James called out to me on the last episode, and I'm going to do my, my chat. Gio, I think I reached out to you a year and a half ago. Yeah, potentially, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I did something wrong. I thought I'm I think, I think it was at the very beginning when I was. Yeah, I think it was maybe more. I'm sure it was right at the back of the beginning when I was setting the podcast up. You're one of the channels. I think was relatively newish. I, I love what you're doing. I thought, right, I'm going to get this going. I reached out. He said, Yeah, let, let's get it. Let's get it going. And it fucking never happened. <laughs> 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 me, so, so apologies. But in that time, you've grown pretty hugely. I think you're now almost 17, were you 17,000? Let me just bring your, your uh, channel up, actually. Uh, 17,600 subscribers, so pretty hefty. Mm, yeah, so for some. I'm struggling here. <laughs> so how, it's, it's grown fast in that time, to 17,000 minutes. It's grown... I'm kind of scrolling all the way back here. So how long has it actually been going up since you you kind of set the first video out? And then your mind thought, right, I'm going to create this channel. And, and where did you think it was going to go to? Well, it's, it's very difficult. Just to just let everyone know, month one, I think I had 23 subscribers, if not, or 33. I can't remember the exact number. So it was, it took quite, it took like three months to see, like to get to 100. And that was like, um, and, and I think like the the quality increase. I see a lot of people that start, and they have a much better quality than I had at the beginning. Some some of them even better than what I have currently. 
right? So I guess it depends really on, on the video making skills, the content, getting the right um, mix of both. Uh, but my one was there was this the smart home little smart home set that just came out in the UK. That was the video that sort of um, got me thinking that it could have been a thing. Yeah. Um, so that was a big big one for me. Uh, that that so changed my mindset as oh yeah this itself can happen. And it was yeah, actually- Gio's done. I was going to say Gio's done. Uh, really well, actually, because I, I found his channel, it was about 18 months, a year, 18 months after I started mine. And as you say, you had very few to start with and you've just grown. You've overtaken my channel within the first year. Um, really impressive uh, stats there, Gia. Well done. Well, thanks. Thanks a lot. And, and thanks to everyone that actually subscribed and, and everyone that viewed. Um, yeah, it's truly an honor. But uh, to be fair, it was you that we got me into the, the little products. The minute I saw your videos going out, I was straight into to the local little, bought them, bought as many bulbs as I could. <laughs> yeah, I've yet to try those bulbs, actually. I've got some Athon bulbs here, but uh, little ones seem to be cheaper and easier to get as well because Athon uh, is a Chinese company, so it takes a while to get here. Where did you, you get the Athon ones from? I've never heard of them. Um, I got... Um, I got some plugs from AliExpress and also from the Athon website as well. I did both to see which ones got here quicker. And funny enough, AliExpress got here quicker than Athon themselves. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you, before we move on to, to David's channel, I mean, it's seven, I almost say, I'll say 17, it's, it's really 18,000. Did you, when you set out, did you think, right, I know where I'm going, or was it just a case of let's just grow and see, see what I get? Well, um, for those of you that don't know, the, the channel name actually changed. So if you if you, someone goes and rewatches the first videos, there's a completely different channel name because it was a completely different purpose. And then, um, so at the beginning, it was like more like I wanted to do my like Plex and do that's media uh, conversion coverage and that stuff because I'm quite into that. But then I started Smart Home and I got into more into that and found Home Assistant and then just and the channel took off from that direction. Um, but actually, yeah, curious, uh, little curiosity, I actually got uh, a, a letter from a lawyer telling me that the, the name was, like, in conflict with something. And I was like, oh, this is serious. So uh, oh, wow. actually, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I had to, like, rebrand. Um, and then at that point, I was like, this is a disaster because uh, I was thinking after being the progress that I made at that point. Uh, yeah, this was like... Obviously, a home assistant probably wasn't a good idea. No, it wasn't home assistant, but it, 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 it was a name. It was a name that I want to. Basically, uh, the letters basically said, if you don't use it anymore going forward, that's fine. You don't really have to. But it was like like hundreds of subscribers had. It was ridiculous. I don't know how they found me and they complained. But anyway, um, that was that was a bit of a funny story. And, 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 and if you don't the name, that's fine. But was it a big brand that came after you? No, it, it wasn't, and and it didn't have anything to do with what. But the name that that, so it was a free name uh, channel name, right? And two of the names were exactly the same, and it was just a coincidence. But if you did look on Google, there was a point that you could have mistaken. So they had a point. It was my, uh, you know, being a noob and being just you know uploading stuff and not thinking about this whole naming and legal stuff, which 
Uh, yeah. But to be fair though, that, that's not something. Listen, when you when you set, you, I mean, when, I, when I set up the small home collector, I didn't go scouting to see right. Right, you do you do a quick Google on YouTube. Does anybody have that name? No, right, it's pretty safe. But you, you don't think someone's going to give you a letter litigation to say you need to go over it? Well, hence oh. hence the hence the Leonardo's because the ah, whole point of that okay. is is that it's more well it's it's someone's name right it's not like a uh, thing and i didn't want to use my own name because my own name is a bit more difficult i don't yeah. know why i did i picked with this i stick with this so the actual domain where the blog is has that is the full domain got you right okay well i'll well, tell you we'll learn something every day brilliant right dave let's get you let me just ping up your yeah i was gonna say you'll get the um you get the talking D one, really. You might see my hands later if you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> no, no face, no face, face, uh, no face facing camera. Yeah, I was. I must that when we did come on, Dave. I was thinking, finally, I'm going to get to see what this guy looks like. Yeah, the 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 mask tutorial maker will be revealed. <laughs> <laughs> So I know you're laughing, saying that you overtake it. I mean, six thousand views, nothing to be scoffed at, David. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the last year I've got a thousand more subscribers, so I'm very thankful for that. I appreciate every one of them. And the name Creative, then. So is there? Cause that's obviously your your company's name. Is that what's the? Is that name just thought I'll just use the same name, or what was the, the background for that? Well, the thing was, I was doing um, 3D animation and visual effects, hence the uh, 380 VFX studio that was originally called. Um, The name comes from the amalgamation of 3D, or the 3 from 3D, and uh, creative. So it's 380. So it sounds like creative. It's made of 3D and stuff. Um, Obviously, I do semi-commercial work. I've got... uh, a range of clients, including a couple of marketing companies. So not everything I was doing, I could put on YouTube, but there was some stuff. I was making some 3d animation tutorials. Um, and then I got into home assistant and I thought, well, wait, wait, let's, let's, let's pay this forward. Um, let's make some tutorials and they seem to be quite popular. So that's all my channel is now. Hence the, um, home automation projects at the bottom of my original banner at the top there because I've added to it. Uh, okay. But, um, yeah, no, the, um, the home assistant stuff, the home automation stuff is, um, I, I'm absolutely loving it. I mean, I'm an electronics engineer anyway. So, you know, getting the D one mini, getting the solder line out as often as possible, um, has always been a hobby of mine. And, um, and of course this home assistant stuff, um, it's growing in popularity. Home Assistant is is definitely the way to go for not so much commercial, but a hop, definitely a hobbyist and a DIY solution for home automation. So I thought, okay, I've got I've got some knowledge here. I've got some maybe some interest. Maybe some someone would uh, would enjoy my little projects that I do. As I say, I've uh, I've got an unofficial title of what can I put a D one mini in next? Yeah. So um, as often as I can, I'll put a uh, a one pound fifty. Wi-Fi enabled microcontroller in pretty much everything I've got and everything I can find on Amazon as well. <laughs> I must admit, your channel certainly get that kind of uh, when you get that tinkering itch. Go to your yes. channel, and fucking you just just fill your boots. And I Absolutely, think, yeah. I think when we first started speaking, it was the Centertron that I first came across. Yeah, 
who's this guy going to put a, really in a, in, a, in a spray in his room? Really? Fantastic. <laughs> and ever since then, I was hooked. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I had, um, I was living with a girl a few years ago and she had one, but I, I never knew where it was. And of course, I don't sleep much at night. So if she'll go to bed about nine, 10 o'clock at night. I'll be up to about three o'clock in the morning. And every now and then I'd hear this, and I thought, what the hell's that going on? And then I found out what it was. I thought, what a great idea. <laughs> and then a few years later, found one on Amazon. I thought, I wonder if I could put a D1 Mini in that. So I bought it, and uh, yeah, the rest is history. Love it. Absolutely love it. Fantastic. And in terms of, we, so, I mean, you know, you gave the background of how it started. Has it got to where, because it's evolved in the fact it's now all about the tanker and the home assistant integration, ESPs, et cetera. What's hmm. next, Creative? I would like to see. <clears throat> this is something I, I'm looking into um, when I get spare time. It's quite a difficult subject. I would like to see some sort of AI in this home automation setup because most of the, certainly a lot of the projects that I'm doing and a lot of the projects that I'm seeing other channels doing, there's, there seems to be less automation or it doesn't seem to be as much automation as a home automation system sort of implies. There's a lot of remote control. And I know we're going to talk about the NS panel later, but yeah, I I would rather not touch a light switch. If I can make it a light automatic with a motion sensor or a presence detection, um, then that to me is an automation system. And yeah, writing automations, getting the triggers going, getting certain conditions set up. Um, I would like to see some sort of AI that you just plug everything into. So you say, here's all my lights, here's all my devices, here's all my sensors. You know, watch me for a week, learn my um, routines, my habits, etc. times I go to bed, times I go out, uh, and, so, uh, and so on. And then just do what I would normally do without me having to tell an Amazon device or press a button or touch a touchscreen. That, to me, I think would be the pinnacle of a home automation system, like an intelligence behind it. Absolutely. I'd like I, I to see you, that. You need to have a chat with Jeff from Slacker Labs. Jeff is oh, Jeff doesn't want to touch anything. Doesn't want to. Do, well, I think he's changed his mind in the dashboard recently. But yeah. Jeff, Jeff is very much just he wants his house living and breathing. And, and, and you're right. That's Absolutely. You're yeah. Are we there? Nah. Mm. Oh, years, decades away. I mean, AI is is a, a burgeoning. Um, technology it's got some real potential and yeah. uh some of the stuff that it's already been applied to so i think as that becomes more mainstream easier to program uh more models being uh released online i think it could be something that us lowly diyers could implement maybe some sort of uh, machine learning um box that you could attach to your network and it, it pulls in all your sensors and pulls in all your devices and stuff and then you know over time it, it will learn your individual personality and so on so yeah i mean fingers crossed the future is bright <laughs> so, so, fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> so we're moving on then so i, I love when, when i get people on i love to understand what, what kind of What's under the hood of, the, of the, their, their smart home? For you guys, obviously, it's home assistance, so I'm not going to ask the obvious questions. But if there's anything, I'm, Gio, I'll come to you. If there's anything in your home 
or your small home setup that you couldn't live without, what would it be? Well, um, you know, live without is, is a tough word. I mean, you know, there are there are they're all luxuries. I mean, let's start maybe with this point. I mean, if we, um, I don't think smart homes got to point it is it's really necessity for people like broadband is which basically now it's a necessity it might be it might be it might get there when it when it's that predominant but for me um the the light switches are um fantastic i have the son of wi-fi one and i found them very reliable um worked tremendously fine um and and it's really the test over time which doesn't really, which you can't really do many reviews of. You have a new product, you put it on. How reliable is it going to be, right? You know, from the functionality wise of using it through a home assistant or or any way, right? Any automation that you have, um, and the actual maintenance. So anything that has low maintenance, I'm a fan of. Anything that's durable over time, I'm a big fan of. Um, so I'm sort of and less tinkerer i know we have more people that are more tinkerers but like i just get annoyed when you have to like fix your home um and yeah. you know it just takes time out of new projects so so that i would say that's that stuff is sort of the stuff that i like um would be the things i would automate first or put in first in a new house the yeah. light switch is 500 percent 100 percent and it's funny because that's the, the first thing people normally they start with either the light switches or the light bulbs because it's the standard obvious. Yeah, the, the light bulbs. The most convenient one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the light bulbs is the most common mistake where people start. Right, they get they get the light bulb in and then they start figuring out that they can't. You know, someone turns the switch off and the light bulb doesn't work, and and people get frustrated with it and and find it pointless. Um, so yeah. That's the thing, but obviously it involves more work right? physically wiring or not. You know, you have to sort yeah. of uh, intervene in some sort of way. That that's that's sort of thing uh, I would like recommend. Okay. To, to you said you're not tinkerer, but I sometimes find that when people people within the rabble of home assistant, they inherently yeah. become in some way a bit of a tinkerer. Have you ever yeah. tinkered with ESP thirty twos and like that, or are you still just off-the-shelf devices? Well, yeah, I'm from a hardware point of view off-the-shelf because I lack the skills, um, not because I don't have an interest in it. Uh, but from a software point of view, uh, there have been like many automations or things that I've done on the channel that like are completely pointless. They're just for fun. Like, they, they just don't do anything. Like, one was like, um, you know, pulling a feed and announcing your bank balance when it moves or crazy stuff that, that it, it makes no sense. Actually, I would recommend you do that because it's not good to announce your bank balance. <laughs> um, but just things that you just do it because you can, right? Because home assistant enables you, it's, it's easy-ish, you know, or like doing uh, number plate recognition and potentially, you know, insulting people if they're parking your parking bay like like just stuff like that like which is you know fun but not yeah. that functional unless you you all your neighbors to hate you <laughs> and after two years of running the channel you I mean i'm sure you've loading you, you probably got like me a wardrobe and boxes full of just small stuff yeah is there anything missing is anything you still not got or that you would like or what do you feel still lacking from it? 
well, I've got a Shelly um, LED, you know, the one with the LED, for the LED light strips. I've had that since okay. Christmas and I need to install it. Got a couple of things I need to install. Um, I'm trying not to get more than that. I have a box of stuff that I need to either try or, or put in, install. And I'm, I wouldn't like adopt a strict policy. Like if I don't get them in in a year, they're out. Or I sell okay. them or give them away. I don't know. Because if not, it just becomes an over accumulation of and you know of, of stuff then then sort of doesn't really fit in it just because it becomes annoying uh, like one thing i just want to say like if you go to any manufacturer's website they promise the world like yeah. look at look at those images those happy people on the sofa <laughs> with the lights on and and it's like and they're just selling you this dream about yeah buy our light bulbs or buy this sensor and then everything will be fine, and we'll know the dog goes out. But but that that's 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 a lie. You pick. I no 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 not you know hating on any brand. Just pick on it. Look at it. And look at it, and you feel. But we're not there. There you go. Do you have just thought of the the Shelley website? Shelley, yeah. light your feelings. It's got a nice nice glass. What the fuck is a glass and a drink with light? But yeah, but if you look at some of the less geeky stuff, like the home kit enabled products, right, uh-huh. which are more commercial. Well, you know, for the wider public, uh, that's sort of what people think of my home when they yeah. know that I have a small home. That's what they think that there's some sort of like special <laughs> library thing. Um, but yeah, you know, some of it, you know, got batteries to change because these little sensors have batteries. You, they, some of them drop out of your Wi-Fi. You know, you've, the Zigbee network. Some days work, some days doesn't. Things drop off; they're unavailable. You know, there's whole sort of things that you have to do um, that, like, no one else really could do at home. So, so those are the things that like bring me to think this is still a hobby for uh, geeks like us uh, and and people that are listening. Like, you know, get my wife to do it. She'll probably have no clue. She just, I don't know. She just chuck everything away. If anything happens, I don't know what she'll do with that. Um, sorry. Yeah, and it's, it's a fair point. How does it how does it move away from being a hobby? Because mm. uh, this is probably showing my age for some viewers or listeners. When the internet first came out, it was for geeks. Mm. Like, if, if you're really honest about it, like, but it evolved. Obviously, I mean, maybe a bit of a silly comparison, but at what point does the small stop being a hobby and is actually so mainstream that it becomes a necessity for everybody, everybody to have. And David, I don't know, David, I don't know what you've, you've, any thoughts on that? Because it is still very hobbyist. If, you, if I speak to people in work or friends about my smart home, it's like, oh yeah, tell me about that. But, but you're almost, people kind of raise mm. their head, what does a smart home do for you? I mean, I've, I've noticed that every time, like, taxi drivers and, and friends and stuff. I, I've spoken to them. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be on my way home and I'll go, oh, I, I've just turned the heat in. And they go, how do you do that? And I show them a smartphone and there's my home assistant control panel. And yeah, it would be nice if it was more plug and play. There's a lot of DIYing and not so much tinkering, but there's a there's a fair amount of setup that I don't think the, the men on the street would have the time or the inclination to learn how to do it. There's a, there's a fair learning curve. Um, and I think if it's to become more ubiquitous and, and more standardized, then I think it needs to be, you buy a device, you give it 
an ID or you know, flip some switches to your particular code, um, and it just connects, and it just does what you want it to do or what you expect it to do. Um, there's there's less of that at the moment because it is a DIY space. It is a tinkerer space, um, and therefore, you know, it needs some sort of programming, some sort of integration, some sort of setting up. And I don't think uh, many people, the wives included, would would care about that. Would want to learn it. You know, they, you buy a light switch, you, you you wire it up, and it just turns on a light. But you buy a Wi-Fi enabled Wi Switch. Does the matter holy grail matter is going to come down the line and solve it all for us? Apparently, yeah. I haven't looked into matter myself, but uh yeah, it's got some promise. I mean the Zigbee's fairly easy in terms of you know, you you hit the pairing button, a bit like a Bluetooth. You hit the pairing button, it finds it, and there it is. Um a little bit of setup behind the scenes for an automation in Home Assistant in particular. Um, a lot of this stuff, standalone stuff, has got the app. Everything connects to the app. And in, within that app on your phone, you say, when this happens, do that. And it's fairly simple. It's fairly dropped down. It's all in its own ecosystem and stuff. Home Assistant is a bit more ubiquitous in terms of it will work with many different protocols and many different services and stuff. So it's a little bit confusing how you get a Zigbee to turn on a Philips Hue through Home Assistant. So I think, yeah, if it gets to the fact that, you know, I've got this button, I've got this light, I want this button to control that light, same as it does in the app, in the same ecosystem, um, then, yeah, maybe, I think, possibly. Um, Is it going to take something, sorry to interrupt you, Dave, mm. so for me, <clears throat> the light bulb moment dropped with my... Uh, my brother and sister-in-law, they, they know the hobby that hobby has been going for, for so long. And he's like, why are, you, why are you always interested in home assistant stuff? And last year when I introduced him to smart uh, thermostatic radiator valves, it was like the penny yeah. drop. Like, hold on a minute, we can turn off radiators in another room and have heating on and save ourselves energy. It's like, straight away, on a, all the hive ones, and they've now got hive TRV in every single room. Is it going to take something... Of that extent, where it's so integral to how you live or your way of life, that then you want it. Because at the moment, unless you're forced to do it, there's mm. not really anything for people to get smart on. I think, if I'm from my side, I think you need to take the pain away from when things go wrong. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, like, if you think, right, how many people do actually understand how a home network works? Forget the internet, which might be more complex. Like the, the whole concept of IP addresses and and what a oh, yeah. does, what an access point does. Like the, the average person hasn't hasn't got a clue of how it works. Like I don't know really that well how an electric circuit works. I've got an idea, but I'm not that technical. But like, so people just use it, right? You know, they're quite comfortable. They know they have to punch in a password for their Wi-Fi, and, and that's it. Yeah, the only thing they right? they they want to know is the Wi-Fi password, and that's all they yeah. need to know most of the time. Yeah. So look, like I'm really, I really want to learn from these big commercial systems. We're not going to mention any, but like those big installers that charge uh, even like six figures to get smart home stuff in a home. Yeah. I would like be super curious to understand how reliable that is, how how better that is compared to home assistant, right? I would imagine someone paying that that amount of money for like blinds and everything. That if anything went wrong, they would be, you know, not happy. Yeah. Because one thing, you know, Home Assistant at the end of the day, Raspberry Pi, 
it's a low investment. The software is free. There's so many free tutorials, right? Um, you know, you've got nothing to lose to try it. Uh, you just get a few light bulbs here and there. But like someone investing that amount of money in a yes. new build, it must work, right? It must be like super reliable, if not like they will be out of it. Business. It's got to be, yeah. And from an upgrade and maintenance point of view as well, that has to be a, a rock-solid service because if something goes wrong and someone else has installed it, then you want to you wanna make a phone call and say, oh, yeah, my light's not coming on when I come home. I don't want to fix it. It's your installation. You come and fix it. So, yeah, you need that infrastructure yeah. behind it as well, that maintenance yeah. side. I just think, like, my boiler, like, like you know, my boiler breaks, I call someone in. Like, three, four mm. years, three years has been fine. Then, set a point, had a lot of problems with it. Called, called the plumber in, heating engineer, you know, bit of bother, and it's fixed. And for a year, it's been fine. Like, you don't want to call someone every month. Oh, um, you know, my door contact sensor has gone down or my, you know, bulb stopped working or my blind doesn't show on the dashboard anymore or the system updating, nothing works. I mean, that yeah, would be super change. annoying. Even if you had someone coming in and doing it for you, like a service and maintenance program, it still be super annoying, I think. People are like not... Yeah be happy with it. it, it, it is that the model that, that people would adopt to get it? I, I, I'm being devil's advocate. I agree with you. Craig, you to phone somebody because a door sensor is not working seems a bit over the top, but is it, is it easier for somebody just to, to pay a company to come in, do a full install and leave, and therefore it's all taken care of for them? I, I don't know. I don't know if that's, that's well, the model well, of the mainstream. Yeah, but think of like, you know, lights come on when the door opens or a motion yeah. sensor goes. They're just gonna go. They're just gonna see the light doesn't turn on anymore. They say, "Hey, lights doesn't turn on anymore. Is it the bulb? Is it the sensor? Is it software bug?" They might not know. They're just gonna say the lights not turning on, or the door didn't open when I was supposed to open, and I'm stuck outside the house. Yeah, you know that sort of stuff. I think would be like a bit annoying. Yeah, because a light bulb, everyone knows how to fix a light bulb, right? You unscrew it, you put it back up. You know, and, and you're good. And if there's a, you know, all the of the flipper switch, you know, switch has gone down. You just flip it up. If it keeps going down, call the nutrition. You know what I mean? Like that's my that's my yeah. troubleshooting. Right? I tried to put it up once. If I still see, you know, sparkles, sparks, then calls the nutrition. You know. So. I've just popped an Insteon under the screen. I don't know. Is Insteon one of the ones where you be, you become a kind of an Insteon installer because? That does exist, doesn't it? But it's kind of high-end consumers. I thought Instant closed down. Are they back up again? I think they're back again. There was some, because the Home Assistant integration, there was a breaking change saying they're no longer connecting to their servers or something. So I think they're back. Yeah, that that booby aside, didn't Dave? (laughs) I'm I'm maybe completely wrong. (laughs) <laughs> but there is that that service already exists, doesn't it, for the high end consumers just to bring a, a an Insteon type company in, give, give me the full install and, and leave, and I'll pay the subscription. But, but it's but, carry on, sorry. No, no, you go. No, but I was, I was about to say I have I have a, a very loyal subscriber uh, which comments in many of the videos that when I have a product that's cloud only. Or, or what I mean is that if it is relying on the cloud, in the sense if the manufacturer died, the product would be dead. That mm. would be the case, yeah. right? So if, it, if an installer comes in, they'll probably be managing this through the cloud. There'll be some sort of way, and they'll have some sort of 
a license, you know, it will be all hardware that works with its own closed circuit. It's not going to be like, oh, yeah, you can just buy it from Amazon or Ali and then plug it in. They're probably not going to allow that. It's going to be something that's going to be quite closed. Um, so, you know, you're relying on a company is going to be around in the next five years. You're, yeah, you're investing in that company. Yeah. And you're going to you know. feel trust into that company. <clears throat> I just want to say that building in that um, banner, that's been used in so many efforts, that building. I've seen that. I've seen that uh, that particular shop in a few websites. Yeah, but it's like a Hollywood mansion, right? I mean, it's <laughs> not a normal home, especially not in the well, UK. Well, it isn't a normal home. The, 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 the technology to the high-end residential home, so. It's a hamster cage. How many windows do you need for crying out loud? Is there some, no privacy uh, at all. Some business cases they've got or case studies. Yeah, multi-room audio, home cinema adaptations, small securities. Yeah, so it, it does exist. You, you pay a high-end installer to come in and completely redo, redo your home. The downside is, to you, to your point, is you're hamstrung now. You're stuck with that that organization for as, as long as you... Yeah, I, I mean, if you had some people from these companies, come on, I'll be like, yes. I mean, like, let's get them on. Let's have a debate, you know, yeah. DIY, home assistant versus commercial. Well, do you know what? Let's do that. I'll, I'll maybe reach out, to, I'll reach out to Lux Smart Homes. And yeah, so just some even even just talking to people that have it installed and just yeah. understanding like how's their experience compared to ours, you know? And yeah, we're supposed to be the specialists, right? you know, we're like the content creator. We're like really into it. Um, so yeah, I mean, here, here you go. And sorry, apologies to those just listening to the, to the audio only. But the, the Luxmore website here's got a bit of a process for the the partners they deal with when they're designing your home. So architects, interior designers contractors, property developers. So they go the full hog of really just coming in and really doing your home over. I would love to know what, yeah. they're, actually, what they're using. Are they using Control 4 and Lutron? There you go. Control 4 and Lutron. Yeah, I, I put up Insta on a minute to do Lutron. So it's a con- you're, 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 you're buying into the, the top of the range, high-end stuff. Is that a wired system or wireless? No idea. No idea. Because that would be a lot of infrastructure. I'm going to guess wired because I think they are very much interconnected with with like new build process. So where I live, there are a lot of new homes being built. And when I looked at the, you know, build the website, the developer's website, there was like no option for smart home. I would think you build a house in 2022 or 2023 whenever they come out. And then, you know, um, there's going to be people that are going to really want this stuff. I mean, cinema room is very luxury, but like even just yes. the basics, even just a wall panel, you know, like we are all into our wall panels, you know, having our tablet and, and just that. We're just having that. People love that. Even just an Android, box standard Android, uh, wired into the hallway. People pay crazy amount of money for it, which I makes just so. 100, 100 pound install. Yeah. So... So yeah, so there's a yeah, it's still not that mainstream to put it in as an option. You know, there's the granite worked off. <laughs> there's all sorts of options. But smart home, I haven't seen it. Yet. That it's not, option. isn't it? It's strange that it's not an option still. Cat six cool. everywhere. Sorry, what was that, Dave? I was going to say install cat six everywhere. Look, yeah, I, mean, I 100% agree, Dave. 
But some people will tell you Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi, why it is pointless. It's convenience, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's easier to say. It's, it's, it's less drilling. It's less replastering, pulling cables, yeah. Nowadays, developers want to just start almost like an unfold house, step the box up, plaster it, and get out. They don't want to be faffing and installing cat sex, but you're absolutely bang on. Yeah. Okay, good. That was, I enjoyed that. That was really good. Dave, kind of say some of the questions I asked Gio, they went, on. We went off on a good tangent. I enjoyed that. But, uh, I was going to say, you have to ask him again. <laughs> so, you, you that. So, so, Dave, what home, yep, you're running home assistant, you're, you're, you're tinker, tinkerers galore. Yep. What, what couldn't you live without right now? So, what's so inherent to your, your home? If we take it away tomorrow, you'd be thinking, yeah, yeah, um. I think there's there's two things that I enjoy the most. Oh, did we lose here? I think just his, his camera. He's had he's had enough. He's gone. Um, <laughs> there's there's two things I enjoy the most. Um, that's my uh, Amazon devices, my voice assistants. Yeah. I mean, that is used throughout the day, constantly. Um. <clears throat> Oh, gee, I've lost his, got to get his charger. So, yeah, there's that because, yeah, I don't like touching light switches. If yeah. I have to get up and move to uh, a light switch, then, yeah, that's too much effort. I haven't got time for that stuff. Um, but the main thing is, is one of my, one of my devices that I built and that's my, uh, automatic curtains. I I put a, a D1 Mini and a stepper motor on a curtain track. Uh, I've yet to do a tutorial because it's all, you know, I was cutting aluminium, I was shaping bits of plastic and stuff to get it to work. So if I could find an off-the-shelf off components, then I'll release the video. But that opens and closes my curtains at sunrise and sunset. Um, it also, because I don't sleep that, that much and, you know, I sleep funny hours, so it's always nice to have the curtains close um, automatically. And, you know, I tell my Amazon device, I'm awake and she'll open the curtains. I tell him I'm going to sleep, the curtains close. That, it's a simple thing. Yeah, the automatic curtains. Um, but every time, big smile on my face. When, when my Echo device says, I'm closing your curtains because it's sun, it's sunset. Um, I stop. I, I turn around, I look at my curtains, I see them closing. And every time, big smile on my face. It's just such a novelty, but, yeah, I'm what two feet away from my curtains. I could easily turn around and draw them. <laughs> but I mean, I, my my sister's house is about to get some uh, automatic blinds. Uh, she doesn't really want curtains. She hasn't really got curtains in her house. But um, off the shelf components there. You know, just screw them, uh, screw them to the wall, plug them into the mains, um, uh, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth app on her phone. <clears throat> but in terms of what I really couldn't do without, it's definitely the voice assistant and secondary the curtains because, yeah, voice assistant, I don't like touching light switches. If I have to get up, it's a chore. If I have to walk across the room, it's a bind. I could just go, uh, she, she was not be named, close curtains, turn the light on, um, yeah, change the thermostat, whatever. Would, so you, I ever think, yeah, the, would you ever go for a raspy, the local? Voice I, I saw Dr. Z's uh, videos. He's, he's done a few of those. Um, I, I'm not too concerned about 
privacy and stuff going up to the cloud of things I say or things that have been apparently spied upon by the Echo devices. Um, so I'm not really bothered about local control. I think with the, with the Amazon stuff, there's a whole infrastructure behind it, which you wouldn't get on a Raspberry Pi without constant updates, fixing. And like Geo says, if, if it doesn't work out the box and it needs updating, repairing, tinkering, um, it's not a mainstream thing. It's a, it's another DIY. It's another hobby uh, yeah. thing. So whereas the, the Echo devices, I mean, I mean, I've got Echo, uh, dot twos, version twos. Um, get them off of eBay, 18 to 20 pound, brand new when you can find them on Amazon, 25 to 29 pounds. Um, yeah, it's set up for you. You can say, right, here's, you know, connected to my Wi-Fi. When it, you get it, it comes out the box. I mean, even the, um, what are they called? <clears throat> the little square ones. They're called flex. the, the flex. Yeah. Nine pound yeah. 99. Yeah. Not a very good speaker, but as a as a voice you're, you're assistant, speaker, you're, you're buying for the convenience of having a, a voice assistant in the room you're in, which is which is great. Exactly. Yeah, you get a little bit of feedback. Like I say it's a really tiny little speaker, so it's not going to get a lot of volume. You're not going to play music through it, but it will hear you in the kitchen. Say um, yeah. nine pound ninety nine. It's set up for you. You've got the Amazon cloud services behind it. AI voice recognition. I mean, they're pretty good. These things. I mean, I've, I've got fans running all the time. I've got noise in the background and she'll pick me up from the other side of the room quite easily. I don't have to shout or talk in an American accent for her to understand. Although she doesn't, she does not understand soldering iron. She keeps trying to turn the sofa light on every time I say turn on soldering iron. But apart from that, they are fantastic. And I think even without home assistant, you can control a lot of those things with various other. Yeah. smart yeah. um smart home products so yeah i think that would be yeah, yeah that would be my biggest biggest uh upset if i lost that i think um, and i think i say i think that's the best answer to be honest because that would be exactly the same if i, was, if I lost my echoes mm. I, I don't understand and i put mark mark watts channel because he did a live stream the other week it's probably going to kill me because i've paused him right when he's looking like a right cheesy geezer <laughs> but <laughs> mark and one of his live streams did a, a raspy kind of live install I saw some of that, yeah. Fuck that. I mean, honestly, it took it looked painful to try and get this thing up and running. I mean, I saw Dr. Z's ones. I watched admittedly I wasn't watching it live, I was watching it the next day on uh, fast forward. But there seems to be a lot of I mean, even the initial setup, he got the office lights working, I think. But there was this intense that you had to set up. And it looked like, as far as I could tell, you had to set an intent up for Every action and every device that you wanted it to recognize, it wouldn't just AI recognize office light or bedside light or whatever, yeah. whatever they're called in Home Assistant. So it seems, as you say, a lot of work. It just seems a lot of work. And again, as I say, yeah. it's, it's, it's a DIY, it's a tinkerer thing. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's something but, to do at the weekend. Yeah, but for me, for me, the tinkerer side comes into play when you're, you're getting something. Yes, there's a novelty aspect, I get it, but. For me, the tinkering mm. thing you're, you're doing something that you can't get out of the box. For for something like Raspberry, yeah. maybe I'd love somebody to kind of come and say, "Listen, yeah, it's purely tinkers. It's, it's the enjoyment of creating your own local voice assistant." But is it a genuine benefit of going local, something like Raspberry, when you've already got something like mm. Alexa that's already? Don't know, say the A word. Oh yeah, there'll be people all over the internet going, "Oh my god, my lights just turned on." <laughs> Yeah, I mean, with with Raspberry, 
Ras- raspberry. I don't know what it's called. It's that that thing. Raspberry. Um, right. Yeah. So it's it's customizable, unlike the Amazon devices. I mean, you yeah. can't really do a lot with that. Um, trigger words. Uh, I think Raspberry. You can add your own one. You have to teach it, but uh, it's a it's a short training session. The Echo devices, you've got four now. They've just added uh, Ziggy as a as a trigger word. Um, yeah, I mean, convenience versus versatility or customization. It depends if, what you want to put the time, if you want to put the time in or not. I think you could do a lot with Raspberry. Uh, once you get your head around it, it's, it's, there's a lot of functionality there that you could tap into. Yeah. And of course, probably it's open source as well. So that they, you know, PRs left, right and center people are adding stuff all the time. Sure. Sorry, Joe, you can say something? No, just wanted to chip in and agree about the echo devices and their ability. Look, I'm going to, I'm going to show you. I don't know if if people, people that are listening probably not going to see this. This is how, what I see when I try to access home assistant now. So I've been away from home and our home currently. Um, and then, then I don't know, for some reason, I just can't access it. Um, I've tried many ways, but luckily, because I exposed, things are still happening because I get notifications of things I have. So stuff is still running. For some reason, I'm not able to access it anymore. And, you know, my old course of action was to unplug, replug, but not being close to it, can't do it. Uh, but luckily, I was unable to use the, um, you know, the uh, Amazon's app and the mm. app because I had them exposed. And I was still able to control stuff, still able to check stuff that, you know, uh, things like that happen. So, so yeah, it's a big lesson, lesson learned. I actually playing my first video back of taking a, a bit of a break from the channel. First, it was like lessons learned from staying away from the smartphone and trying to access it from outside and what do I need to improve? Because I think that you're, yeah, that's... When you're in the home. You just so is, that the, is that the Home Assistant app you're trying to use and it's not working? Yeah, we're not even like on the URL or, <laughs> or, or and just to clarify, I'm paying for Nabucasa. I'm not doing any, yeah. you know, uh, Duck DNS or stuff yeah. like that. So straight, it should, it should be the most reliable uh, uh, way, but it's something just not. So I did, I did the exact same thing happened to me last night. I, did, I posted it on Twitter, I did whatever the latest update was on Twitter, killed install. And the only thing that fixed it last night was I unplugged and replugged an Ethernet cable. And it fixed it. Yeah. Mm. So it's like, you know, if that that happens, you know, that's like difficult. Because because I you know, you know, I was I was thinking like how can we get to a point where we can even put it in our buddy's house, code to buddy's house with like, you know, a few hours, uh template some stuff, put it in our yep. assistant, put in a wall panel, put in some stuff like that and just Leave it there. You'll, you know, you'll be constantly on the phone. But you know, can you please Midnight, can you come and fix this door sensor? It's just, it's just gonna, you know, and I'm not even commercial. Commercially, will be even like even worse. You know, if you're charging for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, for um, for remote access for my setup, I mean, obviously, the Amazon app will still control my devices because they all come into Node Red. So that's yeah, the internet's on my phone. When I'm on mobile data, the internet's obviously on my server, which is a home assistant's connected to. But if I want to bring my control panel up, because I don't, I don't use Nebuchadnezzar because I've got 
because the main reason I had Navicast here is to get my Amazon devices um, to con- you know, to my Amazon devices to control my home assistant devices. Well, I've got the no red setup, so I don't need it. Um, but I do have wire cards because my home assistant is on a, a virtual machine on my server, so it's always on. It's a it's a x86 processor. Um, I've got WireGuard installed in a Docker in Unraid, which is the server software that I use. Um, so via mobile data, I can connect to my home server um, through the internet using WireGuard, and it's like a it's like a VPN, personal VPN, back to my home. Um, <clears throat> It's difficult to set up though. I mean, it took a few hours to get the damn thing to talk to each other. Um, it's an option. There's no duck DNS. I could go Cloudflare for security and stuff, but I don't think I'm much of a hacker target at the moment. As the, as the channel gets massive, uh, as I get tens of thousands, people go, Oh, oh, that 380 looks like he's got a home system that I need to hack into and flicker his lights at three o'clock in the morning. But, um, yeah, it's. Yeah, it's something that I will look into. Yeah, obviously the security yeah. aspect of it. Yeah, I'm I'm looking to re reboot, relaunch the channel with a new, little bit of new mini series, and that's one thing I'm going to be touching upon. Like everyone mm. before they actually think of smart home, really need to sort out their passwords and 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 their definitely. You know, that is because like you know, people uh, can get into your cameras, anything you install, NAS yes. or any product and it's just people don't really understand uh password policies um and uh, that, that's going to be huge fake like I, i'm going to be really pushing that before you think of doing anything smart on related you need to do you need sort of secure your network yeah you could do a yeah. google search for ip cameras and you can find some interesting uh views from open ip cameras no password exposed to the internet um 8080 port numbers i mean directly web server but like even commercial stuff like things like sorry sorry um things that you know nest or ring that people don't know anything about 8080 ports right they just buy it they put a dummy stupid password in there and then and then they complain when uh, some guys speak into their kid you know through the for the for the mic oh Um, yeah and and that is that's my big big concern I have for for people. I will put people off. And what if that happens to you? You, you know, your missus will be like, "All right, get out!" And never ever again you're going to be having stuff like that in your home. So that's that's the yeah. for the Smart Home Collective. Geo breaking news. Geo's going to do a, a, a mini series on that. I should look forward to you. I'm also going to try <laughs> yeah. to teach people how to crack passwords to oh. show them. How easy it is. I know that would be so good. People couldn't realize that. Mm. that would, so how vulnerable your passwords are. People don't realize how that. I know it's deviating from smart home, but it's very important. It's funny opinion. you mentioned So, it's me and my brother on two nieces, the teenage age where the, the pals come into the house and they're straight away, can I get the Wi Fi password? And they give all the Wi Fi passwords out. And I said, yeah. Have you changed your admin for the for the, the router? He's like, Nah. I said, Just a bog standard. BT or Skyrooter admins and yes, it, all it takes is that kid on your Wi-Fi. That, that's your that's your gub you're locked out. You never just so people just easily pass out their, their Wi-Fi passwords. Guest network is key. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Guest network on a Wi-Fi will give you internet access but not network access. Yeah. 
on that on that uh, on that router. That's yeah. that's one thing. Like Geo said on the security side, I'm about to do an ESP home security because um, most of my, in fact, all my tutorials to make them as easy as possible for people to copy and paste. Um, I don't use an OTA password, and I don't use an AP password. So anybody can come onto my network, find a a D1 Mini on my internet address on my um, network address and log into it because no password um, and change it and update stuff. Of course, once you're in there, then you've got a route to Home Assistant. Then you've got full access to everything else. So that's that's something I'm going to be pushing because security is getting um, a hot topic. Yeah, there's lots of hacking going on. I mean, Plex got hacked the other day, so a load of password changes there. Um, and I think LastPass, I think I saw something in the news, LastPass has got a little bit of a security issue as well. So although Plex saying that no one got any credit card information, everybody please change password. Log out of everything, change passwords. So, no, I'm, uh, Dan, I'm glad you've reminded me because I got the email and I'm not changing my password yet. <laughs> Shit. Oh, no, I saw I saw that. I did come up on my watch and I'm thinking, right, okay, turn the computer on. Log out of everything. Uh, so, tablet, phone, media PC, main PC, uh, laptop, everything, Chromebook, they all got changed. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, once a hacker gets in to a single, I mean, it's the whole point of it. I mean, most people will use the same password for everything. So, if you get your Plex password, the chances are that's your email password, that's your network password, that's your Wi Fi password, that's your bank account well, password. I mean, Corridor Digital the other day, um, their channel got hacked, they, their channel got taken over, and it was one person's phone whose email password was found. And that was, that gave them access to forgotten password link. So they, they hacked into the email account on this guy's phone. They got a forgotten password for the channel, stripped all their videos out and put one thing for a cryptocurrency scam. Their entire, um, backlog of videos. Lucky enough, YouTube, uh, managed to, uh, restore them from backups, but they could have easily deleted every single video that Corridor Digital had on their channel. Um, uh, and of course, that, once that's gone, delete forever. Uh, that's, yeah. that's a single entry point. So yeah, it's the same with everything. If you've got the same password for your email account as you have your bank account, then all someone's got to do is say, oh, I've forgotten my password for my bank account, send it to this email address. And yeah. of course, the email address has been yeah. hacked. You're yeah. in everywhere else though. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a scary, scary story. Um, I saw on Netflix. And, you know, if it's inappropriate, you feel free to edit it out. But what happened was um, there's a story about um, this website where basically revenge, you know, someone takes a video, a sensitive video of you, like you're a couple, and then they split up and they upload the, the videos they're not supposed to, right? What happened was someone did a video and they, had, and they had it because it's all syncing to the cloud. Because someone hacked their cloud address, they were able to access you know sensitive photos of them uh or videos of them and it was like uh uh ridiculous psychological harm you know it is it, 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 because it's not education out there of like you know you have to sink into the cloud you do you know what this means yeah. right what's the impact of having these in your hands adults don't get it so you know how do we teach our kids how, how should school be teach you know password management is like 
the the must. Well, you think that'd be part of the standard kind of computer sort of what they call it these days, computer science curriculum, you would think? Yeah. Yeah. But and we're so bad at it. And we're so bad at it as humans. We hate it. Yeah. And the thing is and the thing is it just takes a single point of entry, one bad password on one email account in your entire family or business. Um and your whole business is vulnerable, your whole family's vulnerable. So yeah. I mean plenty of celebrities have got their um was it iCloud photos and, and videos frapping? I think they called it back in the day. Mm. Um, loads of videos out there of celebrities doing things that they wouldn't necessarily want the public to see. Um, yeah, behind closed doors kind of stuff. And of course, yeah. yeah, once it's out there, it's very difficult to delete it because, you know, sites get replicated, files get downloaded, reshared. Um, it's, it's a nightmare. One, one download could be on the internet for years and could take many, many, um, avenues to delete everything, every instance. And still, you're never going to get rid of it because people will save it onto their hard drives. So there's always going to be a copy somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, on a happier note, let's say we from this. Luckily uh, enough, all my, all my IP cameras face outwards and all the cameras that are on devices uh, have got a little bit of... Geo Lastly doesn't have his camera on right now. Little bits, all, all the cameras that are in... I was going to say, all the cameras that are on devices... All the all the cameras that I've got on my devices got little bits of black tape over the lenses. I'm not paranoid much, but you never know. Well, <laughs> I can hear the tinfoil hat rustling. You know, yeah, sometimes it gets quite hot here. You don't really want to get dressed every day. <laughs> I don't need an IP camera following me around the room. <laughs> I'm conscious we're almost approaching the hour mark. It's, it's absolutely flown by the fact we've been recording for an hour. One thing I did want to, did want to cover before we, we segue to the, to the mystery questions is... Oh yes. With summer months is the same every year. There's little devices being issued. I always feel over the summer months, smart news, pretty pretty low. But the Sonoff NS panel has been been shelled and flogged in every every channel out there. Let me just ping a ping. I don't know if one of you, well, Dave, I know you've got it because you did a wonderful video on it. But Gio, have you had to play a bit with the NS panel? No, no, I haven't. I like it, but I don't know if it's a novelty or whether this is actually legitly good. I think it is. I mean, a a subscriber sent me one. Uh, I did an unboxing video, and he sent me this NS panel. And I was that impressed with it because, yeah, it's got um, ESP32 in it. And I'm thinking, ESP32 in anything, it's almost like putting a D1 Mini in it. This is already made. It's got a touchscreen on it. I love ESP Home for programming stuff. I tried Tasmota, but ESP Home gave me a few more options, so I went down that avenue. I was that impressed. I actually went out a week later and bought another one. I've got two now, one that a fan sent me and one that I bought. And, yeah, I've done a couple of videos on setting up the graphics and uh, recently done the the coding, and I've got a few more um, other functions to add to it with other tutorials. But I'm thinking... Again, it's like the, it's a light switch, essentially. I mean, it's a more sophisticated light switch. You've got two actual buttons and a lot of touch, touch screens. I don't want to get up to control devices. Yeah. If I can't do it with a voice assistant or it's not automated, then there's no purpose for me. I, I don't want, I want a smart home, not a remote control home. So, where, and of course, where did you put it, Dave, in your home? You said you've got it's, two. It's, uh, one's in the, uh, I'm about to make a tutorial out of this box. 
And the other one is about to get a 3D printed stand so I can put it on my desk to do something similar to the Stream Deck. You know, the little Stream Deck buttons, uh, Stream Deck panels with the 15 buttons. I'm thinking, because the Stream Deck is about, I think it's about 120, I think it's about 128 when I bought mine a few years back. An NS panel is 79, 80 odd pounds. Yeah. Uh, yeah, in dollars, it's about that price. Bit, yeah, uh, so yeah, I'm thinking, because the, the new one they brought out, which is an Android, so you can't really do a lot with it with ESP Home, um, that comes with a case, so it makes it into a desk device. So I'm thinking, uh, I've already built a frame for mine, so I'm thinking, yeah, fully encase a frame, run it off a 5-volt charger, it's Wi-Fi, so that's all you need. Um, and then I can make myself a Stream Deck equivalent, which is not going to be as easily customizable, but I can add extra buttons. I'm stuck with 15 and different pages on a Stream Deck. But I'm thinking with an NS panel on my desk, um, I can do quite a bit with that. I don't really want it on the wall because that means, one, I've got to get up to push touch screen, push a button. Or two, I've got to get up to, to look at the graphics because they're too small to see across the room. Yeah, yeah, a nice big 10-inch, 9-inch panel sitting on the wall, even an 8-inch. You could probably read across the room or sitting on the couch. These little things, they, I don't know, about 4 inches across. It's you know, rectangle, but it's about 4 inches wide. You can't read those graphics from across the room, regardless yeah. how bright it is. Is the, the, the display any good? When, when, when some of the review videos I've seen, it almost seems you have to really... Uh, it's not nice. To, it doesn't look very slick. It looks, you almost have to really push the screen in to, to get a reaction from it. They're quite easy to touch. Okay. They're quite easy to mistouch as well. I mean, you, you know, you've only got to brush against it. I mean, it's quite sensitive. Okay. But, again, I don't like touchscreens. I never have, even when the phone started getting them, because if you're doing t- on a touchscreen, you're covering with your finger and your thumb what you're what you're working on. Yep. So you can't see what you're doing because you get your thumb over the top of it. And it's the same with yep. that. If you're using the slider, you're covering up the slider with your thumb. So you don't know that you could, sometimes you can see the number, sometimes you're covering up the number of the value. So I think through in a in a hallway, um, just inside of your front door, somewhere where you're going to be standing, somewhere where you're going to be walking past. That's where I fancy it. Yeah, that information would be handy. But in a lounge, in a bedroom, possibly in a kitchen would be okay. But anywhere where you're sitting down, that you have to get up, walk over to it to read what's on it. Or push a button, yeah. then I I think it's less convenient to have something like that. Bigger panel, yeah. If you can read it across the room, you can see your stats. You can see if the kids' lights are on or whatever, or if a window's open or or yeah, a device that you want to keep a check of, or even a graph or something. And this panel, I think it's a little too small to mm. not be in front of to be useful. So if you're a home assistant user, right, and mm-hmm. will you want to? If I get this in, what do I need to do like, to get it like to control lights or something? You've got also, two options. What's the easiest course of, yeah. Yeah, there's two options. It's um, The way they work is you've got an ESP32 chip, which we're all familiar with, and then you've got a Nexion, Nexion, yeah, Nexion panel, which has got its own processor and memory. So you've got two things to program on these, those, these devices. You've got the ESP32 itself, and then you've got the graphics, which are stored on the panel's internal memory. And some of the Nixon displays come with an SD card that you put your graphics on. 
So what you have to do is, if you want to make your own graphics, you have to do that in a video editor, a photo editor like Photoshop, which I showed in my tutorial, upload those graphics to the panel itself. Then the panel itself will give you inputs and outputs from touchscreen and updates to the screen, which you then program into the ESP32 chip. And then obviously the ESP32 via ESP home will connect to home assistant. So you can control the panels. You can pick up the touches out of the box. It comes with its own graphics from, uh, Sonoff. So you've got, um, I think you've got the time, the day temperature, cause it's got its own internal, uh, temperature sensor. There's a thermostat on there as well. You can flash the ESP32 with a Tasmota, um, build that is already pre-programmed for all the stuff that the Nixium panel comes with. So the easiest way to do it, unless you want to go with the EB link app to connect that to Home Assistant, and again, that's cloud. You can flash the device with Tasmota, keep the existing graphics that's on the Nexion screen, and then just pretty much use it out of the box, connect to Home Assistant via um, Tasmota software. I, I think that's but, not going because it's the, it's, it's the less technical. Yeah. Yeah, you're stuck with the with the graphics and the, the commands. Out of the box with its own software, I mean, it hasn't hasn't been for ages. You could download different things that you could add to the panel via the EWI, the EWI link software on your phone. <clears throat> there hasn't been a lot of updates. I mean, I don't check it anymore because mine are reflashed, but the, there's, there's other stuff that you can get in the US market. Um, and obviously in China, there's um, different add-ons. You can just, you know, install on your phone the updates to the panel. Um if you want to customize it any more than what you're getting with the um the factory firmware, then you have to make your own graphics. You have to add extra pages, uh, program that into ESP home. I don't think you can do it in Tesmota without someone else doing a PR and adding those things in. But then again it's custom, so yeah, it's regardless of what you want to do. So um out of the box you can use it with Home Assistant. Um, you can keep the EWI link and therefore cloud-based. You can flash it with Tesmota to make it local, or if you really want to go to town, then make your own graphics and then ESP home the, uh, the firmware and connect it to Home Assistant. But either way, e uh, all three flavors, you can get yeah. it into Home Assistant in some form or other. Uh, I, yeah. I do think I'm doing. Geo's sparking interest. It has. I think watch this space. I think. I think like yeah, there's gonna be some people coming up with stuff similar to this. Like um mm. is cool, it's gonna be a cool use case. I don't know if Home Assistant themselves are like branching heavy. Well, they've been branching heavy into hardware, right? They've launched their own their own um hub. Um they've got ESP, right? So that's like will they go into that and build something that is gonna be like out of the box, connect to your home assistant and you can create a mini Lovelace dashboard that you can then you know it's for the little you can kind of do that with a raspberry pi you can put a touch yeah. screen on a raspberry pi put that in your wall connect it via wi-fi or um ethernet cable and then obviously that's got a, a browser on it i mean it's obviously unix based but you can get a browser on that so you can make a, a dashboard in home system um on the Raspberry Pi, log in with a username and passwords that are separate from your, say, your admin account, and only yeah. serve a particular uh, dashboard to that Pi. So, I mean, that's probably what? What's a Pi these days? Pi 3, Pi 4? 
You're looking at about yeah, 30, 40 pounds. If you can get your hands on one, yeah, exactly. Uh, Touchscreen, yeah. probably 10, 15, 20 pounds. 3D printed case, wall mount, uh, recess box, Ethernet cable, power supply. So you could probably do it for about 60, 70 pounds. Yeah. And you yeah, can get different you know, size touchscreens. Then you could argue, right? I, you can get just a tablet, fire tablet. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And and you do the same and you have a bigger screen and you have a fire tablet that if you don't want to use it anymore, you can like use it as a fire tablet. Right? So that is the, yeah, that's why I'm like, if it's that small, right, you know, it's got a, I don't know. The, we, and, and also the design is difficult to get it right, that it, it's super useful. That you say, yeah, you're right. Actually, yeah, off off the shelf tablet, Fire tablet, Android tablet is a lot easier for control when I'm on the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in in terms of you know NS panel equivalents, then Pi with a touchscreen is the nearest thing you could get off the shelf, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I've I've had several guests coming over um, for long periods of time since I had the the wall mounted tablet, and I have to say. They're very intimidated by it. They look at it. Really? They say it was cool, but no one, no one ever wants to touch it. They, they, they something's scared. <laughs> something's going to happen. And there and is that yeah. thinking. You know, is it is it my is it a poor design? You know, oh, I see this button. It's like the shape of a loo. What is that? Oh, it turns the, the loo lights on. Ah, oh, really? Ah, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> what is this with the you know garage door? Oh, this opens the garage door. Ah, oh, really? Okay. But then I said that they. They're, they're like two meters back. You know, they're like the COVID distance, right? They're keeping this distance from the tablet. They just don't want to, okay, let me just borrow and try it. But if I give someone if you're, a tab, you know, you know. I guess if you're not used to the technology, it could be anti- intimidating. I mean, a light switch, everybody's used to a light switch. Everybody's used to a light switch. You know what a yeah. light switch on the wall in the bathroom is going to do. Yeah. Um, whereas a tablet with an icon of a bathroom you're not quite sure if it's going to flush the toilet, turn the shower off, uh, put the heating on, or whatever. You know, so. you know, what is it going to do, right? I mean, I'm going to break yeah. something in this guy's heart. You know, I'm missing <clears> him. I'm going to break something and let me touch his stuff. So, I've got the, I've got the same problem. Maybe a smaller soft. screen. Yeah, so no, I was just, just saying maybe a smaller mm. screen would be less intimidating with fewer buttons. Yeah, I mean, a, a smaller screen per room, say, like the NS panel. Mm. Um, it's kind of obvious what the toilet button does. Um, I've got the same problem with um, 3D software. The software I use, Lightwave, um, it doesn't have icons. All the buttons are um, worded. As Lee Frozen, I was uh-huh. very happy. <laughs> yeah, so the software I use, all the buttons are, are worded. So there's no ambiguation about what that button does, what that icon represents. I mean, I say to people, yeah, I've learned 26 icons. It's the alphabet. It gives me everything I need to know. Learning new bits of software with new icons, you know, they'll come up with their own icons. MDI icons are nice. It's kind of ubiquitous across Home Assistant. So, yeah, you can kind of get used to it. But, uh, yeah, I like I like words. I like things that are obvious. And especially someone, as you say, a noob coming in and seeing a control panel with all those buttons on that's controlling pretty much the entire house from a single point, then, yeah, it's it can be a bit worrying, a bit intimidating. Oh, if I press this, is is the uh, is the boiler going to explode, or am I going to flood the bathroom, or something? Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea what's going on with my camera. It's just not working for some reason. Oh dear! But it's obviously 
do you want us to pause then? No, he's fine. You can just crack on. We're going to wrap up. Yeah. So, so Lee, you, Lee, have you tried turning it off and back on again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a show on Netflix with a B. I've got a man. The, the, there's a B and there's Rowan Atkinson in it. Um, oh, it's, it's brilliant. I've seen it. He, yeah, brilliant. he's in this sort of smart home home, yeah. right? Go and watch that because it'll make you laugh about the huge struggle with trying to understand how the house works. It's a fantastic uh, movie. It's, it's, it's funny, but it, it's very linked to what we're talking about. Mm. I'll have to look out for that. Check, check it out. Isn't it called B, B versus Man? It, it is. It, it is on Netflix. Very, very interesting. Yeah, really good. Okay, that, that's good. 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 I don't know into it. Before we wrap up the section that everybody seems to love the most, mystery questions. Dun, dun, dun. I need to get a bit of an audio drum roll going. So I've got a question for each of you. Uh, the rules are you have approximately 30 seconds. I'm not going to keep it exactly. Roughly 30 seconds to give me your best answer possible. Countdown timer. I'm going to pit you against one another. All right. Oh. <laughs> you are going to ask you a question about Dave. And Dave, I'm going to ask you a question about Geo. Oh, okay. As you want. <clears throat> This is almost like the game show where you can hurl abuse at the, your opponents. Don't take offence. You know? <laughs> Mister and Mister. So, Gio, I'll start with you. So, one thing I found when I started first watching Dave's channel, Dave, you're a, do you vape or do you smoke? What one is it? Are you asking me or, or Gio? I'm, I'm asking you. Are you a vapor or a smoker? Oh, I'm a smoker. I tried vaping for a year. Wasn't getting satisfied, so I went back to smoking. One thing I always find with Dave's channel is when he's doing this thing, you hear this kind of ah, big puff and then phew, it's like, so my question to you, Gio, is... Tell I'll tell you what that is, Lee. I'll tell you what that is. That's my noise-cancelling software, um, not ah. recognising if it's a voice or one of my fans in the background. Look, check this out. I'll give you a demo. Uh, okay. I've got fans running at the moment. You can't hear it. Okay. But if I turn my noise-cancelling off... Hear that? Yep, hear that, yep. And if I turn it back on again, completely disappears. Now, sometimes it gets confused with the tones in my voice okay. that match similar to the white noise that's coming out of the fans. So you get this, and if I turn my big fan on, there's a big hum after I stop talking every time. Uh, I, I do edit. I do I do breathe a little bit heavy. I've done a live stream of me doing some um, VR sculpting. And of course, I'm, I'm sitting back with a VR headset on. My arms are waving all over the place in the air because I'm getting out of breath because I'm trying to talk. I'm trying to narrate and get stuff done. And people say, oh, David, you should stop smoking because yeah, you're huffing and puffing like an old man. And I'm going, I've just, I've just cycled home. I'm on a VR headset and I'm waving my arms about like a lunatic. Yes, of course I'm out of breath. Anybody so, so would I, be. I think but... huffing and puffing adds something to the channel. That's the context of this question. So, Gio, to you, tell us why Dave should start an ASM, ASMR channel <laughs> where all he does is smoke in front of the camera. <laughs> well, I think he absolutely should, and he will finally get that picture dream house that we can see on every brochure <laughs> or on every sales sales page, <clears throat> and the beautiful big glasses, right? And and finally, he can move those noisy fans somewhere else, so he doesn't need the noise cancelling software. Uh, he should do mm. it for sure. He will have a big following. Fantastic, you. Okay, and Dave, for you, question about yeah. Geo. Funnily enough, this is this this question is about the title of Geo's channel, and the, I just, the fact you've you mentioned a story when this channel started, Geo is even funnier. So, 
Dave, tell Dio why he really needs to rename the channel to Smart Home Baker. Smart Home Baker? Baker. Oh, um, okay. I think you could start uh, a patisserie with smart home devices covered in icing sugar and little fancy uh, hundreds and thousands. And I think you'd appeal more to the wife wife approvement factor, the WAF, I believe it's called. Um, so you can get more women on board if you start a, a bakery. I love it. Not, not sexist at all. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's equal opportunities. I think it, getting the... Uh, every technology wants to get more women on board because yeah, there's not enough women in technology. There's not enough women in science and and doing not the important jobs, but yeah, you know, a fair crack of the whip for for females in society. They've uh, they've been suppressed for far too long. There should be more opportunities for them, and Geo could be the figurehead for that for home assistant. <laughs> there you go, Geo. No, you're not home You're actually leading the front for women in No excuse now, Geo. Get the wife on board first and do a bit of uh, Geo and the wife in the kitchen doing smart home stuff. All right, we'll think about it. I don't know if the <laughs> wall will burn first, the Raspberry Pi or the, or the oven. <laughs> I don't know. I need to check the temperatures to see um, how resilient they're going to be in the oven. <laughs> Guys, brilliant. I was struggling to pick a winner there, but absolutely fantastic. If you've listened to everyone's this, a winner, everyone's a winner. Guys, thanks very much for your time. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Anything else you want to It's plug been fantastic. Yeah, um, youtube.com forward slash 380. I do uh, manual-based step-by-step guides for tinkering and a little bit of Home Assistant, a little bit of Node-RED, but it's mainly what can I put a D1 Mini in next? And I'll, I'll stick a link in the uh, description box as well, in the channel. Cool, appreciate that. Well, my channel is going to try to do the best to get us to get people to the point where they have that, um, like control for a dream smart home without really uh, going crazy with the tinkering. But you know, we're still with Ouch. all the benefits of home assistance, right? <laughs> so it's um, it's terribly difficult challenge, but I'll try and do my best. And I've uh, yeah, I've also got a membership uh, platform for those that really enjoy my voice and long, longer format videos where they can uh, watch some of the courses and, and and just take a bit longer. Because I have a lot of people telling me that the videos are ed- edited too quickly because, you know, the YouTube algorithm, and they need to yeah. keep going and you need to assume people know stuff where there's a, there's a demand for this long content version, but they're not really good on on youtube so check the yeah I, uh, platform also i i find myself talking way too fast on my my videos as well brilliant guys thank you very much and i thought i enjoyed that cheers cheers for inviting us hey, it was thank it's you. been an absolute uh, right thanks very much and guys don't forget to subscribe if you're not already subscribed and tickle that bell for notifications of when a new video goes live thank you cheers cheers